beautiful soul family and welcome to the walk on podcast the podcast where i try to demystify spirituality personal growth and healing and whatever else i feel like talking about i'm your host Britt cannon and this week we're talking about the idea of freedom versus control I did an episode about freedom itself. Um, Oh my gosh, there's like a storm going on right now. And I hope it's not too loud on the recording, but I kind of hope you can hear it. Um, uh, Just about freedom a while back. I don't remember what number it was. And, you know, all my episodes are a little bit about freedom. Like the concept of walking on, if you haven't listened to the first episode of this podcast, is about freedom. Like it's about the freedom of of being sure that you're going to choose yourself, you know, not in like a selfish way where you're choosing yourself and like willfully hurting others, but in the sense that you'll choose if anyone asks you, like if anyone ever gives you the ultimatum, like it's you or it's me, you know, that you'll always choose you because fuck that. Um, and I guess, like, that's kind of what freedom versus control is about. Um, and I guess, like, the first thing I want to say is I really feel like at this moment in human history, we are collectively waking up in the matrix or like waking up to the matrix like if you've ever seen the movie like we're all individually neo at this moment (laughs) um because of covid like being shown the ways in which we are trapped limited controlled by the white supremacist capitalist cis heteropatriarchy and you know this week i've been really thinking about like that sort of buzzword <laughs> that i'm like that i've been using since before this podcast so i think i say it in every episode which is why i said it would be a great item on the drinking game <laughs> if you were gonna maybe like a bong rip game would be more appropriate than like a drinking game to listen to this podcast um but oh I forgot where I was going because I was thinking about a bong rip game um what was I talking about um oh right uh the white supremacist capitalist is heteropatriarchy like I spit it all out because I feel like it's true like that's sort of like in line with the idea of intersectionality like you can't really talk about although you could also add like ableist in there although I think that that's like a product of capitalism um but I was thinking about like 
I don't know. I just feel like that's you have to say them all because like that's the problem. That's the matrix. Like the reason why we hate our bodies, you can trace it back to the white supremacist capitalist heteropatriarchy because like it's probably some combination of white supremacy, capitalism, patriarchy, and then if you're queer at all, which I think most people are, like I feel like if gender is a spectrum and if sexuality is a spectrum, by nature most people are going to fall somewhere in the middle Um, because like most data data how do you say that sometimes I don't know how I say a word if there's like multiple options it's like very Libra of me I'm like I don't know how I say that it's different every time (laughs) Um, but you know like it just naturally falls in a bell curve like that's just how shit plays out for whatever reason so if that's the case then most people fall in the middle which means most people are queer or most people have like gender that doesn't necessarily fall directly in the binary um so anyway (laughs) uh you know we just like you're oppressed by varying degrees of each of those aspects and then obviously like um if you think of it as like a web like that's in the middle and then like the other sort of microcosms in which we are oppressed kind of branch off of that and then you could go even further into like family dynamics like I think a lot about how like where I'm from in Norfolk Virginia it's like a military town and like everybody's dad and uncles and grandpa and great grandpa and great great grandpa was in the navy and it's like you know in military towns the United States like nationalism um is pretty like hardcore like everyone I don't know everyone's just like very respectful of the military where I'm from and you know my whole life all I could see really was how the things that the men in my family not my uncles because like that was sort of after uh you know after any like big mandatory sort of wars but like my grandpa for example had such bad PTSD that Like, we knew as kids not to startle him awake because, like, he could be dangerous if you did. And just knowing that my whole life, and, you know, he would talk about being in the Navy, and um, I don't know. He just always seemed a little sad to me, (laughs) and I just knew it was because of the job he had. And, like, as I got older and heard more stories, I knew it was because of the things he experienced while he was doing that job, and that just seemed like so terrible to me to ask people to uh, willingly traumatize themselves you know for a paycheck that just seems I don't know in my little kid mind I was like that's not fair again Libra (laughs) um anyway like the way that it played out in family dynamics is like because the military sort of operates from a place of patriarchy and from a place of white supremacy and you know the cis hetero stuff too obviously but um because they operate from that place it's very like toxically masculine like big on conformity big on authoritarianism like you don't question your superiors big on trauma bonding in the sense that like superiors in the military are using tactics like you know attacking self-esteem like running people until they're exhausted or sick uh you know just like basically like hurting these people um to break their spirits so that they will be 
like so that they will be in a state to follow their orders without question and like that's just like accepted like that's like the way we do things that's the way we train soldiers and to me if i i don't know that just never seemed right that always seemed like what the fuck like why would anyone one sign up for that and two although i know why people sign up for that and again you can't talk about this without talking about capitalism and white supremacy and like how people who end up doing these jobs usually don't have don't feel like they have a lot of other options um and it's like my question is always like if you don't have a choice like is it freedom like that's why ultimatums are kind of inherently toxic because to say like i said to say like it's you and your growth and your potential and like your happiness or it's me and it's like what kind of question is that of course i'm choosing me um that's like inherently controlling and also like irrational um and immature but that's sort of what the greater system that be like asks of us all the time. I can't <clears throat> like I can't really even count the amount of times that I have forced myself to go to work when I was you know having panic attacks when like I was being triggered by everything because my trauma in my late 20s, mid to late 20s, my trauma was just like expressing itself because I had stopped partying and I had stopped doing my eating disorder thing. It was like slowly my control mechanisms were being ripped away from me. And uh, all that was left was the trauma. So it was just like coming up uh, in these horrible waves where I'd be in bed for like weeks at a time, just crying. Um, but I would still have to like go to work and like earn a living or if I wasn't earning a living I would have to be worrying about earning a living or being made to feel bad for not earning a living and um you know it was just terrible same thing with being chronically ill like around the same time I started feeling my chronic I think I was always feeling it but I was kind of repressing it and then I started noticing it and once you start noticing it you just can't unnotice it um and like working though I was in terrible pain you know like pain that now I stay in bed all day like I can't <laughs> now that I've like given myself room slash I have the ability to rest I see that I have to that like I can't work through it and to ask me to work through it is unreasonable and like you know actually fucking toxic like it's not it's not fair and it's not right and it's like more than I'm capable of doing and you know I know that's like bitching sort of uh <laughs> with no real solution in in my vortex at this moment because the systems are so uh, just, they control every aspect of our lives. And I think it's interesting that the word control keeps coming up, like though I'm not intending to use it, but like you can just feel the vibe of control. Anyway, I was talking about like trauma in my military, the military town where I'm from. Oh my gosh. Okay, so this is a tangent. My friend, um, one of my best friends, one of my best friends, Brittany, her friend, her blah, 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 her boyfriend, Chris, her partner, Chris, um, has this thing that he talks about. He calls it getting his white woman on, and um, he's black. 
And what he means by that is he says that white women have this thing where they use ownership language of everything. So it'll be like, my neighborhood, my butcher, my, like, my gardener, my friend, my jeweler, like, you know, whatever it is, my doctor, uh, whatever. It's always, like, my. And he was like, only white women do that. So he calls it getting his white woman on. White woman on. And when I... When I heard him say that, or like Brittany told me about it a few times, and then like I actually heard him say that, and I, it's I always felt like triggered by it because I was like, fuck, I do that, like I do that all the time. I'm like constantly getting my white women on, <laughs> and it's like, if you stop and think about like white women using ownership language like in any capacity, but especially with like like neighborhood, you know, or. I don't know. Like, I used to say it for, like, bodega, like, my bodega. And then I was like, ugh, yikes. Oh, my God. I'm never going to do that again. But I catch myself sometimes being like, my, the neighborhood that I live in. Because <laughs> um, I don't ever want to get my white woman on. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, so because, like, these men were trained by their jobs to be toxically masculine, you know, repress their emotions, not be human, um, and, you know, really that the right way was to abuse others, like, to exert your control, slash, when you're in a situation where you're being controlled, uh, you find control any way you can, like, in whatever way you're able to. Um, and I was thinking this morning how it trickles down in families so like you know these men are traumatized by their job and then they go home and because they have no control at work they feel like they need to control their household and so it's like they expect their wife to be silent little wife like doesn't have any needs doesn't bother him with anything dinner on the table when he gets home seen and not heard you know um so then what does she do well she has to control the kids and um that's where like enmeshment and stuff like that happens where parents don't want their kids to in individuate and they take it personally as like a personal failure um, of themselves that they created like an autonomous human being like it's actually really sick if you think about it and if you are in these family dynamics that are like control based you know how bad it feels and how oppressive it is and how it just like it just like stamps out your light to the point where I feel like all of us, like anyone who had a traumatic household have, I mean, everyone at one point in their adolescence has that like, I wish I could leave, like I can't wait to get out of here kind of energy, but it's like especially strong when you're being traumatized and um, that's like seeking the freedom, you know, seeking a place where you can be yourself, seeking a place where you can be loved. Anyway. So the moms do this to their kids, and then the kids have to find ways to find control in their lives. In my life, it was an eating disorder. It was beating up on my little sister when I was young, um, and like various other children in the neighborhood, I was a little bit of a bully. <laughs> and uh, I chilled out, don't worry. Um, <laughs> I learned to conquer my temper when I was 10 because I hit my sister really bad. And I had learned at an, an assembly at school. I was a big fan of the school assembly. I was like, this is great. I get to be out of the classroom, but I don't have to socialize. Everyone's quiet. No one's screaming. Like, and I just get to like see some puppets, like talk about some issues. I don't know. I was just like very into it. So I saw an assembly about anger and like how to control it. And they just gave the advice to like stop 
and take a deep breath and count to 10, which was like early meditation for me, you know, and sure enough, it started working. I mean, I really didn't want to stop. Like I wanted to just punch my sister when she was being an asshole. I didn't want to. It would feel really good in the moment to just like mm. <laughs> knock her upside the head or something. But, uh, but I really wanted to be better. So I would start the breathing thing and then I would get, uh, like get myself back to center and stop like raging so hard. And usually it was like some kind of overstimulation anyway. So like the stopping and centering would help me just like not hulk out. And um, anyway, that's, you know, neither here nor there, but I just wanted to say that I did conquer it and I conquered it pretty young and it hasn't really been an issue since except for like a couple, like a one Kanye moment. Um, and I have flipped out on like a few individuals, maybe a little too extreme, but I would never do that now. I like stay nice and balanced. So it is possible to overcome. It just takes a little practice, you know, and just like just like a second of consideration before you act or before you speak because like usually the first thought in your head is like not the right one <laughs> especially if you're used to being reactionary or if you're in survival mode where you like feel like you have to defend yourself right off or if you have a lot of triggers and like anything someone says like upsets you or triggers you like it's just important to know that kind of like to know that you have that reaction and to be like okay so let me just take a deep breath and count to 10 before I respond and it'll usually go better than if you had just like said the first thing that popped into your head it reminds me of if if you ever watch The Office, there's this bit where the receptionist like gets a phone call for the boss, Michael, and she like waits a second before she transfers the call. So she'll be like, hey, Michael, you have so-and-so on line one. And then he's like, okay, send him through. And then she waits a second, and then he says something stupid. And then she's like, okay, patching her through. And then she would send it, and then he would say the right thing. And it was just a like running joke in that episode. She kept doing that. And he would get it right the second time every time. Um, I think that's a good example of that. Anyway, um, you know, some people seek control through substance abuse or self-harm. You know, like any in relationships, like with codependency, uh, with like workaholism. Like I know some people who like started working right away to make money and then like could never really stop because they were in like this scarcity thing of like, you know, like I have parents and like I'm sure they maybe would support me maybe potentially but like oh I would never feel comfortable doing that you know it's like Lorelai Gilmore syndrome but because it's like that control is so uncomfortable that we are so resistant to like put ourselves through that again um and it's always bad, you know? <clears throat> I had a moment where, like, my long-term relationship ended uh, where we were cohabitating, and then I had to move back in with my grandma, and it was, like, it was so hard. Like, every day was so hard because it was stuff that I wasn't used to being around. I was used to, like, being able to set a boundary, like, we're going, we'll go have lunch, you know, and then I'll drop her off, and then it'll be done. And, like, we won't talk but that one time a week. Like, I had all these, like, before I knew that I was supposed to do this, I was, like, starting to do this. Um, but then, you know, it was, like, the healthier I got, like, the less I could be around her. So then it was, like, once every two weeks. And then, you know, I would she would guilt trip me when I would talk to her again. And then I would be even less likely to, like, get in touch because I'd be, like, oh, I'm going to get a guilt trip because it's been two weeks. You know what I mean? So it just, it was, like, when I had somewhere safe to live, 
safe-ish to live that wasn't um, wasn't with her. Uh, it was different. So then when I was living there, it was just like, ugh. When I think about it now, I was like constantly nauseous and like, you know, toxic relationships have this way of making you feel like you're like you don't have any skin, you know, like the worst kind of vulnerable and like small. Um, and I just felt like that all the time. And I was like taking really good care of myself and giving myself freedom, like at least in my mind and in my heart. And I was like spending a lot of time outside and refusing to get a job that wouldn't make me happy. <laughs> and like, you know, just kind of doing me, learning how to skateboard. I don't know, having, I guess, like a midlife crisis. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, eventually it did get to the point where I just like couldn't be there anymore. Like I had to flee. And so it was the same thing. But this time I like gave myself the freedom. I wasn't relying on like, <clears throat> you know, uh, a partner who wasn't good for me either to give me the, like the safety, safety and stability and freedom I needed. I was learning how to give it to myself. And honestly, I was really bad at giving it to myself for, I'm only like getting good at it now because the government's giving me money, <laughs> but I'm working on it. Uh, yeah. So I think it's really important to like, think about all of that. Think about how the white supremacist, capitalist, heteropatriarchy has set up paradigms, like attitudes, I don't know, inclinations towards control instead of freedom and like really be real with ourselves about how that's played out in every aspect of our lives. You know, like I ta often talk about toxic bosses because I have rarely had a boss who wasn't like a fucking narcissist, like abusive as hell, just like my grandma, you know, guilting me if I needed to call out, making me feel like I had to show up no matter what, always making me feel like my job was was not secure like no matter how hard i worked no matter how available i was like doesn't this sound familiar like <laughs> it all works the same way it all plays out the same way and even like if you think about how everything is a mirror it's like who does well in a narcissistic society who does well in a control based society people who lack empathy people who um who have this like this drive to hoard or like this drive to hurt others because like really that's one of the I think the most important for victims of narcissistic abuse and like if you think of society as a thing that traumatizes us we are all victims of narcissistic abuse um systemically you know we have to heal ourselves from the things we've endured because of this society and it's really fucking hard to heal um while you're in it while you're still in survival mode which is why people don't find happiness until they're retired which is like so messed up that's such a small time in our lives um and like that's what really makes me furious like I was listening I like keep going on tangents because I have so much information about this in my head but I was listening to uh this like doctor I cannot remember her name I'm so bad about this um Ugh, I wish my phone was near me. I don't even, I can't even look it up. But she's, if you just Google like narcissism on YouTube, she pops up pretty quickly. And she was talking about how a thing in narcissistic relationships is that they, 
they pick at your self-esteem because they don't want you to do well. Because if you were to do well, they're so competitive. If you were to do well, it would feel like sh it would make them feel like shit. Like they have this sort of pathological jealousy, and um, and so they sort of try to get ahead of your growth and like sabotage it in really covert ways. You know, like like condescending to you. Like it can just be the tone with which they say things. Or for me, a big red flag is someone who constantly criticizes everything I do to the point where I'm nervous like drinking, like nervous taking a sip, nervous sneezing, nervous just like being in a room, um, nervous even like watching what I'm watching, like really odd sort of feelings of like I said, like I have no skin, like I'm just a giant burden. Um, I'm so annoying, you know, like I'm so stupid. Like they sort of put those ideas in your head. And what that does is it makes you afraid to go after what you want. It makes you afraid to have needs. It makes you afraid to really feel your feelings. It makes it impossible to heal any wounds that you may have going on because they're just like poking at the wounds, you know? Like if someone keeps ripping a wound of yours open, it's never gonna heal. And, um, and, you know, that's why this idea of freedom is so important in these, like, in these kinds of relationships, like, and with society also, like, you know, in the, like, in a, I don't know what episode it was, maybe it was the last episode where I was talking about that photo of Nicole Kidman, like, after signing those divorce papers with Tom Cruise and, like, getting out of Scientology and how, like, happy she looks, like just how free she looks. And she never looked like that the whole time they were together. And, um, and like that's the feeling I always feel when I end one of these things or when I realize how an aspect of the white supremacist cis heteropatriarchy has been controlling me um, and how those, those ideas in my various abusers' heads are also like, like weapons that they were using against me, but also like they're operating in the matrix still. So like they see that as truth. They see that as, as like morally superior. You know, this is like when you're dealing with someone who lacks empathy, they see your empathy as a weakness. And I used to see my empathy as a weakness. You used, I used to be like, I just feel too much. I feel too much for everyone all the time. And like, it's just always going to be a burden. And, um, and, you know, it made me gaslight myself with always like, you're too sensitive. I've brought that up in the past few episodes. It's just like, how white people like gaslight people of color with our racist like racist behavior and racist ways of thinking and perceiving the world and stuff how we're always like don't talk about that like that makes me uncomfortable or even like well I've never done that even though like we probably have because before you know better you don't like you're running the operating system of white supremacy. You haven't like debugged it or deprogrammed it. And there's no debugging white supremacy. You haven't deprogrammed it and put in the truth, which is, you know, that everyone is equally human and deserves uh, like a safe and justice founded life. I don't know. I was trying to think about like, what would I, like if I could base 
a society on something like if my utopia what would it be based on I guess like justice to me which is like because if you talk about equality or I don't I don't know I feel like justice is like the right vibe it's like fair it's like everyone has the same shot and like everything in this world operates fairly and no one is less likely to be or do or achieve anything than anyone else for any reason and it's just like a freedom is like without judgment I feel like I guess like to me judgment and justice would be sort of like not opposites exactly like I think they're in each other because you have to have discernment you have to have judgment to like make a just decision but uh judgment in the sense of like I'm better you know like I know better um, I'm smarter, I'm more worthy, you know, I think that's, like, I was talking today with my partner about how, like, sometimes we lose people to capitalism, like, like, someone can be a person of integrity the whole way up, and then the second they get, like, a buttload of money, they, they feel like they can't share anymore, or they feel like they're better than the, the normal average person, or they feel like, um, they just start to feel more worthy. It's like that Ayn Randian, like, like survival of the fittest sort of mentality that's like, I have more, so I must deserve more, which implies, like, inherent, you have less, so you deserve less, which is, again, like, that's one of those fucked up things that the this program, this matrix puts in our heads, which is like, you know, this is what I used to tell myself. Like, I, the circumstances I was born into are like, that is my lot in life. You know, there's no... There, and it and this was mirrored back to me, you know, like every time I would rise up a little bit, I would get smacked right the fuck back down. And I just couldn't hold on to money and I just couldn't hold on to stability. And um, and so, of course, I got it in my head, like I'm not worthy of financial stability or I don't even like worthiness. It's just like it's not available to me. And that was true, obviously. But um, at the time, but uh, it's also like a a programmed thing in our head. It's it's like the same way where where I used to think I can't be a successful musician until I get my weight under control, and like what how how self-sabotage is that but like it's also kind of true because it's backed up by the patriarchy which says to have any value even like as an artist even if you're brilliant you know you have to be like uh what are they it's like a word on l word fuckable um you have to be like men specifically cis straight men have to want to fuck you and if you're fat they won't want to fuck you so they won't care about your music but it's like honestly a lie because cis straight men don't give female musicians or anyone who's not a cis straight man they don't give them a chance anyway so like why they're not the target audience so why do why do any of us have to give a fuck if they want to fuck us you know what i mean um so i think that's like if we're looking at something that's like a control like so if something has the vibe of control like what does it feel like it feels like to me like even my partner asked me like is there any this this morning is there any kind of good control and i was like like considered it for a second and then i was like no i don't think so because I don't know. Control to me is always like force, right? It's like, it's like 
uh, claustrophobic. It's like, it just feels low vibrational. It feels like tricking. It feels like some kind of manipulation. It feels like, to me, it reminds me of dieting, like self-control, which if, if self-control is like the low vibrational way to say it, like discipline is the high vibrational way to say it. And like, they, they do kind of mean the same thing, but self-control is like, it's like judgment. It's like, if I fuck up my diet, this is what I used to believe. If I fuck up my diet, then I have no self-control and I'm weak. And like, that's what society believes about fat people. Like if you're fat, then you have, you're weak willed, like it's your fault. Uh, and that if you wanted to fix it, you could. And like, that's what fueled my eating disorder was like, if I want to fix it, I can, I'll just eat less. But like the reality sort of is, is that like everyone's body falls on a different place on the, like, what do humans weigh spectrum. And, uh, and that also fluctuates and it's like totally fine. (laughs) And that really having any judgment about it is sort of irrational. Um, and that's like a thing that keeps coming up with the control, like the ways that in which we're controlled is kind of irrational. It's like when you have a parent who operates from a control mentality, there's nothing you can do to please them because if they ever said, okay, I'm satisfied. You have done it. You are a great child. You have earned my love. Here it is. Um, They wouldn't be able to hold anything over your head anymore. So, like, by nature, a control relationship is, is, I don't know, like, I can't think of a word for it, Um, unattainable in a sense, or, like, it's, like, unachievable, like, like I said, I'm writing that song that, that I forgot about until just now. But like, I just keep trying to earn your love and you just keep moving the line, right? Like, you're never going to be good enough. And in fact, what happens as we get older, if we're on a growth, a growth-oriented sort of healing path, we become more and more ourselves. And with any kind of control system, the more yourself you become, the more angry, the worse the reaction is, the worse the rejection is from whatever that controlling thing is, whether it's a partner or a job or a or a or the government itself um, or like an industry um, or your family. You know, they just it's this this judgment thing of like people get this idea in their head of who their kids are going to be and then when their kids don't turn out to be that they punish them for it like again irrational the control is irrational and that's by nature because it's supposed to be confusing it's supposed to be murky um because that's how manipulation works. If someone walked up to you and they were like, hi, I'm an impossible piece of shit. I'm going to criticize everything you do. Uh, I'm never going to be satisfied. And I'm going to emotionally torture you for the whole duration that we know each other. You'd be like, okay, bye. (laughs) So there has to be like tricking, you know, there has to be like glamours and like, a future faking is what that narcissistic teacher calls it, where like they promise you the world, but of course it's never going to come to fruition. Um, especially if you're like going to be someone who grows and changes and individuates. Like I feel like sort of like part of our purpose on this in this life, in these human bodies, is to 
continuously individuate, like individuate from our parents, individuate from our egos, individuate from the matrix, and then become our biggest, best, most powerful, most amazing, most magnificent selves. And then that light shines out and touches, this sounds corny, but like this is how I feel, so fuck you, um, and touches everyone that sees it. And then those lights are feel braver to shine, and then that touches everyone around them. And, you know, it's like a ripple effect, but this is like one of the things that, um, these phrases that have been my, in my, in my head, Mercury retrograde is like fucking up my mouth. Um, freedom is contagious, right? I always use the example of like therapy, like as soon as you go to therapy and you start seeing it work, if you're doing it right, if you're like showing up authentic and being like, I want to fix some stuff every week like you know like an old broken down house like you're just walking around patching up holes in your walls <laughs> being like oh it's okay making you pretty again you know like getting that gunk out um what was i just talking about as you as you heal um in therapy you start to feel so much better that like everyone around you you start diagnosing them you know you start telling them they need therapy or you will talk about your journey and they'll see the the beauty in you and the light in you blooming and they'll be like shit I want some of that so then they go get it and I this is like really beautifully happening right now with uh with the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, and like people, my friend Whitney in the healing circle yesterday was talking about this thing of like being afraid to be radical and how like she's been on this journey lately of like accepting her radicalness and not being afraid to like speak it out. And, you know, I think that's like, that's a pretty common thing that society does, like that this white supremacist, capitalist, heteropatriarchy, um, that's one way in which it stops free thought or stops freedom is that anyone who questions it openly um, is deemed like, you know, they, they do that thing where they try to make them seem like unstable or like an unreliable source, you know, they kind of like, like I've watched videos of like Janis Joplin back in in her heyday in interviews and she'd be saying the most profound poetic like cosmic things like just these these buddhist truths you know and the interviewer would always be like eye roll okay crazy you know like wow what kind of drug did she do before she came in and it's just always like I don't know. It strikes me as gross because it's like she just said like some amazing things that people who resonate with her music or like people who wouldn't be open to these concepts, but because she's saying them would be willing to listen. But by his reaction, he's like invalidating everything she said and just being like, what a silly hippie, you know, and this happens. This is like the concept of a straw feminist on or like a straw, you know, like the angry black woman trope. Like there's these like ideas that the media we consume puts in our heads of like if you experience this in real life it's not to be taken seriously like it's just a person being a stereotype it's just like these people are ridiculous like they're the best way to handle them is just like eye roll like a good example is like Jesse Spano on Saved by the Bell like she's constantly calling the boys like sexist pigs and like calling out the ways in which they're fucked up and like always kind of makes good points but everyone is always like god you're insufferable which is honestly like that is the plight of the social justice warrior being insufferable um 
but it's also like but those people have it right so like what right have we to shut them up or invalidate them or gaslight them um to maintain the status quo, to stop people from being able to question. And in the same way that freedom is contagious, uh, control is also contagious. And like I was saying, how it trickles down in families, how like there's the macrocosm of society and then it like trickles down into our families and relationships and even in the way that we love and care for ourselves in the like in regards to saying no specifically how like we're taught that you're supposed to give and give and give and give like to the system to your parents to your siblings to your friends to your partners like just give until you fall over you know (laughs) which is what society asks us to do and that's sort of how control is contagious like when we're being controlled we want to find control in whatever way we can and um and then I think it's interesting that like men in in like wall street really like to be like dominated like they pay dominatrixes to like beat the shit out of them and like tell them what disgusting little piggies they are you know like they are also they want to lose control like they have so much control that they're like they got to get rid of some of it so there is like i don't know it just has this like unnatural sort of vibe to it like this heavy um it just reminds me of my family. Like, like no one was happy. And so everyone wanted everyone else to be miserable too. And if you dared be good at something or get some kind of award or accolade or accomplishment, if you were to get good grades or like be in a good relationship or, you know, any way that you were shining, it was just like, everyone was just like, how can we shut this down? You know, like, how can we make this person feel bad about this thing? And, um, and it would usually be done in this way that was like facetious. Like, I'm just making fun of you. Like, we're just like gently ribbing you or whatever. But that is a way in which like, you know, uh, abuse like gets in the way of potential. I'm circling back around to something. Um, but I guess I'll just like jump right into that. Um, I get really sad when I think about like potential wasted because of this matrix, you know, because of this lie that we're told that we have to live this way, that there's no other option. And that's a thing of control too. It makes you feel like you don't have other options or that it's the only thing available to you. Like a classic abuse line is no one's ever going to love you. Like I love you. You know, you're never going to find someone like me. Um, like, you know, just, like, how are you? Like, what are you going to do without me? Who are you without me? That kind of vibe. It's, like, this this mentality of scarcity, which is, like, uh, I don't know. Scarcity works so many ways. Like, I think so much about how, like, a lot of the men in my life who I can't stand are the way they are because they're afraid of not being able to, like, provide for others. Like, they're so stuck on the capitalist idea of success because, like, that's how they determine their worth. So because they're being controlled in that way, they control others that way. Like, they hold others up to that standard. It's like what people do to their kids, you know? They're like, my old man was a real asshole. And then it turns out they're being an asshole to their kid. It just trickles down. It's just contagious. Um, And that's why the freedom part is, like, so important, because there's, like, so much to freedom. Like, 
like if we're thinking of control as this heavy, bad, low vibrational, limiting, just like life force sucking thing, then freedom is like energizing. Freedom is love. Freedom is happiness and like joy and abundance instead of lack lack and scarcity. Um, and you know, it's like it's like giving right? Like abundance is like everyone has what they need. And, and like, uh, control is more like scarcity and lack. It's like, I have to keep everything that I have to me. I can't like spread it out or pay it forward because then I would lose what I have, you know, like there's not enough to go around. Um, and I don't know, people make each other feel like this about a lot of different things. Like we feel this way about finances. Like there's never enough. It's always leaving my bank account. My bank account's always on zero. And like that is an experience and that is like fucking frustrating. I've been there, you know? It's like you cannot get your head above water. Um, and that's horrible and awful, you know? But I don't know, I just feel like if you if you can find freedom within yourself, if you can find like your authenticity, like I always say that our one purpose in this life is to be as authentic as possible. Um, just to like, I went to a to this like um, queer like artist showcase in Brooklyn when I first moved to New York, and uh, there was like this like I don't know like free therapy session, group therapy session before the actual event started. And everyone just sat around talking about like various like emotions they were having and like their, how they're working on loving themselves. And one person said, uh, I've been working on realizing that in healing, like I'm not creating something new, I'm uncovering what has always been there. And like, that is so right to me because that's what it feels like. And if it, like to think of something, creating something new feels like so daunting, right? It's like, it's kind of like learning something new. Like that always feels daunting to me. But when I think of it as like, I already know this, it's in the Akashic records, all I have to do is remember it. Like all I have to do is recall. Then learning stuff becomes easy. Practice becomes easy and light because it's like, it's already there. Like I don't have to work that hard to get it. And honestly, that's sort of how I've come to feel about love because I like have found the freedom of loving myself completely unconditionally. You know, like I love myself like a mother. Like I love myself like a lover. I love myself like my best friend. Um, I love myself like my God loves me. And because of that, like I have freedom, like there's nothing I would cling to that wasn't good for me. There's nothing I would, uh, I would say yes to when I meant no, like there's, <laughs> there's like nothing I would keep to myself that needed to be said anymore. I've had to like work really hard towards it. And I don't know, because I have that freedom. I feel like, um, I like hurt a lot less. Like it's kind of, I'm obviously capable of being hurt still, but my ba my bounce back game is like pretty, pretty incredible. And, um, and I think that, and like I said, you know how I used, I said a trauma memory coming back to me used to put me in bed for two weeks at a time. Um, 
now it's like minutes you know a thing comes up maybe I cry about it maybe I don't maybe I just kind of like dissociate for a second and think about it or maybe it comes to me in a dream or in meditation I write it in my journal and then it's out like it's not a big deal anymore and I think that's because like with the freedom of the space I've given myself from those situations that hurt me and because of the way that I stop participating in a situation that I realize is hurting me even if it is the systems you know like I can't necessarily control the matrix but I can give myself freedom with within it and like the freedom comes from awareness so like awareness of being hurt like you can't break free from a toxic relationship if you don't know it's toxic the second you realize it's toxic then it's like well (laughs) what are you gonna do about it um same thing with like the systems like when i realized that it was the patriarchy that was making me hate my body and the patriarchal you know program that lived in the people around me and how they talked about fat people or ugly people or disabled people or people of color like the way they talked about how people were better or or less um all that was in my head and once I realized where it came from then I was like oh well I don't believe any of that you know and then I could be like okay so let's boop 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 extract all of those programs from my computer brain and then I get to decide what programs I put back in so like So, like, you know, I love the program in myself, which is that, like, you know, everyone looks exactly how they're supposed to look. Like, how, you know, no judgments on it. I don't care how people dress. I don't care. You know, like, it just, I think everything is beautiful. And I like to meet every individual, like, wherever they're at. I, like, listen to who they are when they tell me. I I try without judgment, although when I hear a red flag, I do, like, pick it up and put it, you know, throw it in the box for later. And when I get enough, I'm like, okay, no thank you. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it, able, it's, it enables me to not do what my parents did to me, you know, like not hold someone to an expectation that isn't the truth of who they are, because that's like kind of a fucked up thing to do to someone that's controlling them, right? That's like, let me mold you into what I want. Even though if you listen the whole time, they're being like, I don't want this. I don't like this, you know, and we do it to each other all the time. We don't listen and we don't, we just hear what we want to hear. We see what we want to see. And then we, we live as if that's the truth of the situation and like that's sort of like capitalism like that's why we buy into it because it's like this dream of like no matter where you start in life like you have the potential to make more money and rise above your station and like pull yourself up by your bootstraps and if you don't it's your own fault you know you didn't want it enough you didn't work hard enough you didn't try hard enough so like better luck next life you know or sometimes it's like burn in hell (laughs) if you're like part of one of those capitalist Christian churches um I just think that you can find freedom in yourself by deprogramming and then like figuring out how you feel about everything and like it sounds like a lot of work but it's honestly the most liberating thing like to really take these systems out of our brain to like wake up to become sentient inside the matrix you feel so powerful because you really get to decide um 
you know, that's like the the concept of like being the the creator of your reality, you know, like co-creating with God is like you're sentient in the matrix and you and God work together um, to transcend the system <laughs> and like heal from it. And I think that's a thing astrologically that's going on right now that's kind of like really supporting this revolution. It's this this crisis of lack, like this thing where we're realizing how we're being breadcrumbed in our lives. like pulled back into shitty situations, going back to like jobs that clearly don't care about our safety. Um, you know, the ways that the, that everything we've been taught has been a lie in order to maintain this fascist police state of the white supremacist, capitalist, heteropatriarchy, which is a system of control, of force, of low vibrational material obsession, of like just totally distancing us from ourselves, from one another, from God, from love, from fulfillment, from our potential, from that highest timeline that I was talking about in the last episode. And I think that's like a good way to look at control versus freedom is like the lower timeline, you know, the status quo timeline that I just flow along and never question anything. And it really only works for like straight cis white people who were already wealthy to begin with. They're the ones who like the benefit from the most, the most from the system and are therefore less willing to change it. But then the freedom timeline is the one where you're like, you experience more rejection. Um, you maybe experience more sort of penalization from the system. But you know what? Like a lot of us don't have a choice. Like a lot of us just by, the, by our identities, by our intersecting identities, exist outside of that status quo. So that was never available to us. And I think that's why we're more like we have more drive to find freedom, whether it's like, you know, like how <laughs> a really cute intersection of like queerness and autism is like eccentric dressing, you know, like really expressing your individuality through the clothes you wear. Because it's one of those things that's like, that's some people's reaction to repression is to become more. Like that was kind of my reaction was like, you know, if I'm not allowed to be sexual, when I'm when I'm a big girl, <laughs> when I'm a big kid, I'm going to be like way out with it. If I'm like too fat to wear certain things, like I'm going to wear those things. Um, if you're uncomfortable with my truth, like I'm going to say it even louder, basically. Um, just like do away with shame. You know, shame is of control. Guilt is of control. Self-hatred is of control. Um, Self-sabotage, self betrayal, like self-abandonment, all that stuff is like with the control because that's what the white supremacist capitalist heteropatriarchy wants from you. It wants you to abandon yourself in favor of it. And it wants you to like keep every aspect of your life like that, you know, keep hurting yourself in this way. Like don't ever embrace your authenticity. Don't ever express your truth. Like don't ever admit how tired you are. Don't ever admit how much you've been hurt. Don't ever admit that you excuse me, that you know there's more to life than this fucking matrix that just, like, tortures all of us. And, you know, that's, like, the thing with this crisis of lack and this revolution. Like, we've, we're seeing how we have been lied to. We're seeing how we've been fucked over. And we're seeing how 
all of this injustice, we're able to do something about it right now because we're not working, because of this terrible crisis that is also like both reinforcing like in the sense that these control systems are like hanging on by threads like if you really tune into the energy you can feel it like it is so close to crumbling and they are just like grasping at straws being like oh god <laughs> scrambling to try and maintain this maintain their power as people are watching it crumble you know it's like actually it would be funny if it weren't our lives. Um, it's absurd. But, uh, you know, as we're seeing the way that everything actually is, as we're looking behind that Wizard of Oz curtain and seeing the wizard for just some incompetent old man, um, we're finding the power in ourselves and we're finding the freedom in ourselves. And like when you find it within yourself, when you embrace your power, when you embrace your freedom, you want to pour it out. Like you, you are in that abundant sort of mindset where you're like, oh my God, this feeling, I want to give it to everyone I know. And when you see someone being like, you know, oppressed in a situation, you're like, I want to help get you free of that. And it's just like, it ignites this, I don't know, it's like this, beautiful passion and fire and energy and commitment and uh you know also in freedom i forgot to mention this almost until five minutes left i feel like in freedom is like stability and like love support honesty um you know, vulnerability in the good way, in the way that's like, I feel empowered by speaking my truth to you. I feel empowered by letting you see who I am. Or I feel empowered by putting myself out there, you know, like telling people how I actually feel, being the radical I am, expressing my views without fear of, because I know they're from love. You know, that's the thing about truth. Like the truth is unshakable. Once you're in line with truth, with like real objective cosmic truth, uh, you never lose an argument. <laughs> like, you never do. It's just like, if you're standing up for yourself, like, if all you're saying is no, I don't like that, please stop, and someone can't handle that, like, you know that it's not worth your time. And, like, that's sort of, I feel like at this moment, we're, we're looking at the systems, we're, like, seeing it for the ugliness it is, and we aren't quite sure if we want to let go. Like, we aren't quite sure if we want to fully step into the new. But, um, you know, it's like I always say, the universe starts with a whisper, and then it gets louder and louder and louder until it's screaming in your face. Or, like, you know, like, the universe comes by and it tugs on something. It's, like, been doing this with the white supremacist, capitalist, heteropatriarchy since it was, like, a thing, you know, since it was come since it had come to be the universe has been trying to be like uh no my little humans go a different way and we've just been like no <laughs> we like this or at least the white people in charge um and then it like tugs a little harder and resisting again and then tugs a little harder and resisting again and it's about to get ripped away you know so it's like get on board already <laughs> um but awakening to the power in yourself is like I don't know. It's just all the things that for some reason, because someone told you you couldn't do, this is that thing of like stripping away what has always been there. Like all the things that you really thought, I, I could never do that. Like it turns out you can. 
you know, all the things, like, being, like, I can never be with a partner who, like, actually loves me for who I am. I'm always going to have to, like, hide little bits of me to keep them safe or, you know, not tell the truth about how I'm feeling or what I need. You know, it's just, that's, that's never going to happen. You know what, like, like, that time I heard someone say, I don't think it's possible for anyone to, like, fully physically accept what they look like. And I was, like, literally I have like I am in that (laughs) radical self-acceptance like even love I would say that I'm in like self-love where usually when I look at myself even if it is like you know like a a fold here a roll here or like whatever it might be like it's imperfect in the patriarchy's eyes but to me I'm always like oh I love this body I'm so cute you know what I mean um and that is power because that's like that system will never control me again like I have seen that system for what it is I have rejected its program I've taken it out of my head and I've put in what I actually believe and now that is unshakable and like now because I'm like click 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 locked into place and I'm a fully sentient being inside this matrix I just go around like ding 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 touching everyone I meet and trying to make them sentient in the matrix as well and like as it happens you could feel like the collective human consciousness like raising in vibration and what happens when your hot air balloon starts soaring if you want to keep going higher you gotta cut a sandbag and then you rise and then you cut another sandbag and you rise and like that's what we're collectively sort of purging right now and like I I don't even like to use words like I hope it'll keep happening like I hear a lot of activists I know say that like I hope it keeps up and I just have this feeling that I know it will and that it's just gonna snowball and escalate and like you know it's always a blessing to see the truth it's always a blessing to realize that someone doesn't love you because then it becomes easy to let them go and like I think that's what we're being called to see now with this system is like what's actually going on here because it kind of seems like we're just disposable means of income for the 1%, (laughs) for the ruling class, Uh, that we don't exist as anything other than a little, you know, a little worker bee, a cog in the machine. We are unimportant, we are unremarkable, we are limited, and we are completely and totally disposable. And like, that you're nothing, you're capable of nothing, you'll never be happy, you'll never receive love, you know, like, you'll never reach your full potential, like, you're a piece of shit, right, like, that's, that's the language that abusers use, and that's also the language that we, we, we use in our own heads, um, I don't know, like, it just becomes, to be able to get that stuff out, and to replace it with, like, you know, I'm fine, just the way I am. You know, right now is okay. It's not perfect. I can do better, but it's all right. I'm alive. You know, like if you just walk through that every day, it blooms into happiness because freedom is contagious. And so I guess like this week, uh, after you listen to this, just kind of think about that. Like think about the ways that you've been controlled and how it feels and if it's ever been a positive thing. And think about the ways that you feel free, the people you feel free with, the activities you feel free doing, um, you know, the ideas that make you feel free. And I don't know, just try to move, try to release control and receive freedom. I love you so much. 
Thank you for listening. If you want to email me or sign up for my newsletter, if you have any questions or suggestions of things you'd like to hear me talk about, you can email me at walkonmychild at gmail.com. You can follow me on Instagram at Brit underscore that's underscore it. Twitter's the same thing, but with an extra underscore at the end. You can find links to all my events and stuff there. Um, Yeah. Happy healing. I love you so much. Talk to you soon. Bye. Be with-